You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. On fourth and five, Jones steps up, takes off, he's in, touchdown! Welcome to a special episode of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. That was the best damn rousing intro I've ever heard, Grump. I was I thinking am of doing fired the, up. the hip-hop air horn, but I don't have a soundboard, so. Exactly. Thank you. Well, we'll reserve the air horns for our special guest today. We're going to start this week off with some awesome special episodes with other Giants fans and who better to start with than the one and only Steffi Smalls. What's up, Steffi? What is up? I'm pumped to be here. Finally, this is a long time coming for us to get on and chop it up about our New York Giants. Yeah, I I think we became friends running laps for Joe Judge. (laughs) Quite literally. It's kind of the first thing I remember about you. And you know what's funny is I almost tweeted today, and I didn't, you know, I get so sidetracked all the time. You guys can probably tell that I'm a little bit of a head case, but uh, I almost tweeted today, if if, uh, Ingram starts his laps now, he might be uh, done in time to play for the season. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're you're as big of a head case as you claim, then you probably should have started this podcast with us. Well, you'll fit right in, so that's perfect. (laughs) I've always felt at home with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes one of us. <laughs> I, I guess we, we kind of failed to do this uh, in some of the other episodes, but just right off the bat, why don't you tell people where they can find you on a daily basis? Sure. Uh, you can find me on your own <laughs> on your own thread because I will already be there polluting your time. Um, but if you want to find me directly, you can find me at Steffi Smalls with three L's. Since this is a Giants pod, I will let you guys know that the three L's in small stands for Brady's three losses. Two of them are from us. One is from my dude, Nick Foles, who went to U of A with me. Um, And then I'm with FTN Network. I do uh, our Friday show with Dave. And other than that, anything else I do, I probably can't remember because I don't really put things in my calendar. But you guys can find them on my Twitter for sure. Wow, that is some deep lore about your... Twitter handle, the three L's. Man, that that's is fucking magical, dive. dude. I like that. That's smarter than They're anything for, we've done on yes. this show. Listen, now I, I have learned, you know what's so funny is this year, I finally learned to respect Brady Um, because I don't care. Uh, He lost to the Giants twice in two epics, you know, so it's cool. Like, I'm cool with it. Uh, and then my, my boy Nick Foles also served him one, and I feel like, fine, you know what, Brady, do your thing the rest of your career because uh, we already took care of you. <laughs> yeah. You know what gets lost in the shuffle is – the third Brady loss. It was that same year we beat them in the second Super Bowl in the regular up season. in Foxborough. Yeah, I actually, I actually went up to that game and I was sitting like on the forty yard line for that. It, it was a four ten game. So by the time we get out of Foxborough, you know it's it's dark, starting to drive back to the city, and listening to um, Sports Hub or one of the sports radio stations, and the callers were like, if you remember, they had lost. They were probably like around that time five and three around there. They weren't doing that well. And the callers were like, this might be the end of the road for Brady. You know, they kind of that, I don't know. And they didn't lose the rest of the way into the Super Bowls. But the point being is that there wasn't just twice we beat them. There was that third time and uh, the ownage we have on him. So let him do whatever he wants. So I don't care. You know what? I, whatever. It's fun to watch him now. I don't really, I don't really care. We're done. It's cool. Whatever. Do whatever, Brady, and then retire. Well, uh, but just that remember he's who Tampa, he's, he's got a, a rival with us now that, that for me was a stronger rival oh. than him being in Boston. Oh, absolutely. I, oh my God. I wanted that. I just wanted that game so bad. I wanted to just play him one more time. That was like such an unfortunate game. That's how I got blocked by Lewis Riddick. I was so angry at that game. That's how uh, you got blocked by Lewis Riddick? What did you say? Yeah. Um, probably things I shouldn't say on a podcast, okay. but no, it did. This one, I no, said, <laughs> that's when like, you know, it, it's so funny. Like you guys remember me from when, like I first started in like Giants Twitter streets and like, I really was unhinged for quite a little bit. Like there was a couple times where like things definitely like those, those will be things that will come back to haunt me eventually. Well, but. you're right at home here. We are the home of the unhinged. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I, I was not happy with the way that Lewis Riddick was commenting on that game, but uh, he's obviously very butthurt that he is not a part of the Giants staff, I think. And is, that's is, where the- is it just me, or does Lewis Riddick and Greasy sound exactly the same to the point where I don't know which one is talking? Right. It's I mean, Their voice, though, um, Brian Greasy, who does the, the, Monday, the Monday Night uh, Crew, the two color commentators sound exactly the same. They do sound very similar, but then you know, but the stupid stuff, like the stuff that's really stupid is Louis Riddick. Like, you know, it's Louis Riddick because it's such a dumb comment. (laughs) I also think that he's like, he's the driving force behind him being thrown into like GM conversations year after year. I feel like it's like him on like some burner account because he he would have gotten a job by now. Like. He's a Kenny Smith. He's a Kenny Smith of football. Like Kenny yeah. Smith, he's been on TNT for twenty years with his obnoxious, horrible takes. He's the worst. But there's always, you're right. Somebody floats the, like even for the Knicks, like last year, like you know who would be a good dark horse candidate? Kenny Smith. I'm like, oh really? I'm gonna burn the garden if you do that. So yeah. don't even try it. But he's a lot like that, where he's like a, a darling to the media, and everyone's like, well, this guy isn't that smart. <laughs> He's not. That game was ridiculous. Like, I, I think at one point I was just like, how, how did, can someone turn his mic off? Like, I don't understand. And it took me months to realize that I got blocked, but there's no way that it wasn't from that game. <laughs> like, it's right, 100% well, from that night. <laughs> well, well, now you're going to get me started on an ESPN rant. How I just, I loathe that network beyond anything. They are a selfless, self, shameless, self-promoting. Everything is about them. Everything mm-hmm. is about what they're going to, broadcast next week they talk about it 47,000 times coming up mm-hmm. Sunday this game and then as soon as the game starts on Sunday coming up next Sunday is this game here for mm-hmm. it and you they, know who they, they hate is the New York Giants <laughs> they hate the New York Giants they hate the New York Knicks they yeah. love the New York Yankees they have their nose so far up their ass it's it's, it's ridiculous <laughs> it, it, it's, they make up these phony bullshit stats that don't even mean anything that they're like oh the the FPL thing says that Alabama is number one. It's like, that's not even a stat. And then they'll reference it like in their stats on the bottom. It's like, you're just making shit up just to pipe your own things up. And, you know, then they'll talk about some stupid Disney movie they're having because they're all owned by Disney. It's like, screw that network. <laughs> well, I've ever listened to the radio. So, right, Steffi, let, let's, let's talk Giants. <laughs> you finally get to talk Giants and we're going off on an ESPN rant. Uh, okay. what, what are your major thoughts at the conclusion of the season last year? I think that anyone that is disappointed with last season was being unrealistic. I predicted we'd have five wins. Cool. We had an extra one. That's that's cool. Um, people on my crap list, look at me trying not to swear, but I'm on a Giants, oh, please. Uh, Giants pod, so I can. <laughs> I'm so excited. The people on my shit list are. <laughs> oh, both bleep that, bleep that. She's, no, no, she's out. She's out. Get her okay, off. Okay, sorry. Thanks for, thanks for playing. <laughs> Uh, on my my crap list, look at me all all proper and all not right. getting blocked by people. Um, is uh, Jason Garrett and um, Mr. Ingram and Mr. Slayton, who I know sounds might sound dramatic to everyone, but I'm very disappointed with his performance last year. I think that he probably will not get as many targets, so he probably will do better this year, which is cool. But I think that Slayton's time on the Giants is probably. Uh, reaching uh, a point where he might end up getting traded at some point. Who did you well, say, Slayton or Ingram? Uh, well, I mean, but we could talk about both in both scenarios. Uh, but those are the two, like, if I were to name two players that disappoint me, which all, also, oh my god, guys, I really never get to talk about the Giants. I'm, like, overwhelmed with thoughts and feelings right now that I don't know how to focus on one thing, because now I'm thinking... I'm so happy that Cam Fleming isn't coming back. Like, that's for real, right? <laughs> like, you guys promise that that is not a chance. Like, if I have to watch that dude play New York Giants football one more time, I will not make it through the year. I can handle anything else except for that, I think. You were you were big on the Matt Parrot train right from the I get-go, I think, right? If I remember right? Yeah, he's actually someone I want. Him and uh, McKinney were two of my, like, rookie crushes uh, the that year. And I think that Pert, you know, and I'm seeing a lot of people, I know people are still feel like he hasn't proven himself, but 
I don't know how you could really feel that way other than the game that they allowed him to uh, continue to stay in the game and just set him up for failure after he came back from an injury and just let him allow sack after sack after sack, which I think is awful. I think that you need to support your rookies and uh, give them the best situation to to perform. Uh, and they kind of screwed him that way. And I think that one game is where everyone gets uh, gets uh, their idea that he hasn't proven himself, but he really has. Um, like, if you look at the first game that he started when Thomas had... I don't even know what happened with Thomas that game, uh, why it started. Uh, he got benched. He, he, yeah, I think he, he was just a, benched. Un, an unspecified violation, team violation. Right, like, was late. Or, I, yeah, it was right. very, very weird. No, no one really, like, said exactly that. For that game, like, ever since then, anytime that Pert played... He's a very, he's very, very good. I mean, you're talking about a dude, and yes, I'm maybe, am I being a Connecticut homer? Kind of, but I don't really care about UConn. I just care about the fact that I think it's awesome that, like, the team he always wanted to play for was the New York Giants. He got drafted by the New York Giants. He he never even played a sport until high school. Like, he lived in, in Jamaica, if I'm not wrong. Like, and, like, right. his story is crazy. And those are the guys that end up doing so phenomenal in the NFL is because, like, they have that grit to them and they want to work hard and they want to prove themselves. And I think that he's someone that just hasn't uh, been given enough, you know, they have to give him a little bit more independence. Like I think it's time to, you know, see what he can do starting a full game. I mean, his snap counts are, he's barely played. Uh, but I think when he has played other than, you know, maybe those last couple games where there was a like few things where I understand why people are, I try to look at both sides of things. Um, which Giants fans do not do normally. And I, I understand, <laughs> ever. And so I do understand, I do understand the, like, he hasn't proven himself yet. But, like, don't tell me that Per hasn't proven himself yet, and but Thomas has. Like, I just, like, I don't see how, if you if you watch the film on it, and here I am acting like a film head, but, like, it, like don't tell me that. I think that Per has done everything he needed to. He's a class act, too. Like, what a good dude. Like, that's what you need on the team. We need, you know, something that was fixed this year is the culture. And, you know, a lot of these kids on Twitter, they're all, like, born before, you know, what, nine, and like, after, I mean, after, like, what, 1999, 2000, 2001? They're so young. They don't remember what it's like. Like, they don't remember those early 2000 Giants. They don't remember, like, what we saw with those two Super Bowls. Like, they don't get the power of, like, a, of a tuck. Um, of a straight Steffi, hand. Of remember, remember Ray Hanley? Yes, like, come on! So, I mean, that, that, that is not even a footnote in history anymore, in, in giant history. And so these guys have no idea what awfulness is. Yeah, or how bad and, it can get. I went through those Dan Reeves years in the 90s as a kid. Don't get I got it. made fun of in school because I wasn't a Cowboys fan. It's crazy. And you know what I do a lot is America's game, like, I encourage anyone, like, and I understand being defensive and being like defending your fandom, but like accept the fact that you were you were literally um, in your mom's ovaries when like these things were happening, and just watch like America's Game 2007 2011. If you don't want to watch the whole seasons, don't do it. Watch those two; they're not that long, and it will show you why we get so defensive over certain things. Like because those two seasons, you can't you can't. Expect Explain the culture and the coaching that was there then. And this is the first time that I feel like I have faith restored. Like, when do you guys remember finishing a free agency and feeling this, like, wow, I can't believe all of this happened. This is, uh, what do you mean we're addressing yeah. needs? Like, yeah, four years ago when we went for broke and it, it all backfired, yeah. actually. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even you and I, four years ago, when they when they went for broke and they went out and they got Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, mm -hmm. they re-signed JPP. Me and Cranky fan, we didn't have a show yet. If I'm no, we didn't. But we our feeling at the time was we are gearing up for one last Eli run, and it's just kind of mm -hmm. we're gonna put all our eggs in the basket. The hell what happens two, four, six years from now. We're just going to try to go for it and make one last run. When but we, deep we, down, we both knew that we weren't scoring enough to be a, a good – We were, they were playing well, especially on defense, but the points just weren't there. I mean they were always – every game was a one Beckham play that was the game changer. It was never a blowout. They never took control of any game that season, and they just kind of clawed their way through. So even that 2016 season, you and I were not really expecting a big run into the playoffs. We were just excited that we were there. Yeah. Um, this free agency, like to your point, Steph, is that 
this feels like it's not for immediate gain. It's for a little bit more sustainability for mm -hmm. 2022, 2023. I mean, I think, well, Mara said like, we need to, we kind of need to win now in so no uncertain terms, but mm -hmm. it's not an all or nothing this year. It's looking for the next window for the next couple of years. So that's right. There is more optimism because of free agency. And, and I think build, nice we're not building. Is, yeah, yeah exactly. For once, like, it's like you, you, like you look at the term rebuilding and there's some teams in the NFL that, yeah, uh, they did their rebuilding. And then what, like you end up like the Arizona Cardinals and you're just, you're back where like the Seahawks were a couple years ago, where they're just at this level of like, they're a good football team. They're always going to make a run for it, but they're not like, they can't like break that, that, that like uh, the surface of great. Um, and I don't want to rebuild like that. What we've done and what, you know, what judge he said, he came in and said, I don't care what the record is. I'm fixing the culture and we're going to start from the bottom up and we're going to get it done. And since he has come in, he has not said one thing that he has not produced on. And that I admire, you know, it's been a while. And um, I mean, Coughlin's someone that I'm a huge fan of. And I think that some of that old school fashion and that mentality has come back to the to the locker room. And I think it's something that's needed. I mean, can you believe that players want to play for the New York Giants again? That is so cool. We haven't had that in so long. Like, what the hell? That's so awesome. And I think it's, it's easy to get into, like, your own head and – you want you want results right now, but what is you need to look at the big picture. Like, how do you become a team that is a force to be reckoned with for years to come? Not not tomorrow. Not like you know you want it to. There needs to be more consistency than that. And I think the judge has done a really good job. I mean, they're addressing the things that they need to address. Uh, are they overpaying some people? Yeah, for sure. But you know, and I always say this like. You get a Galladay and you want to say that you overpaid him, fine. But my argument is you're not just you're not just paying uh right, you're paying Galladay, but you're also paying for uh Saquon Ingram, Shep, Daniel Jones, like all these guys are gonna benefit from having a wide receiver one. That's what you're paying for. Like it's not just Galladay. You're paying for much more than that. So just as as much as everyone, it's very easy to complain about that without looking at why you're giving that person that number. They're overpaid until they come off the lot and then they're underpaid because in two years from now, he'll be the 15th highest paid receiver. And in three years, he'll be the 20th highest paid receiver. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's called free agency, you know, and mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 the successful teams, they get lucky in the draft. They get these guys who produce right away and they're, they get them on the cheap, you know, then, mm -hmm. you know, that's what happens. Guys get older. They want, they, they want their money. They get their money. And if you have to go outside the organization to get it, you're going to have to pay. And that's just the way it is. And, you know, that's I, – I loved Eli Manning. You know, don't get me wrong when I say this, but when it, we didn't turn the page on Eli fast enough. And that prolonged when the actual rebuild start. And this is something Grump and I talk about all the time. It's mm -hmm. like we're in the rebuild, but when did the rebuild actually begin? Yeah, it's very and, nebulous when it started because right. they didn't support Eli enough, especially mm -hmm. especially after 2011. They, I mean, mm -hmm. they, they that's when the drafts really were were swing and miss. He had no O line help for years, and then they tried to cram in O line year after year, and they mm -hmm. got some guys that didn't really work out. Um, and, it's it's like yeah, it's like being an became, alcoholic, you know. You, you don't know you have a problem. until until you admit it, you don't think you have a problem. And the thing with the Giants was, as long as they had Eli, they weren't ready to admit that they need to start over. It's like, well, we have Eli, and in their mind, it's 2007 Eli, not 2017 right. Eli, which is not the same. And but as long as he's still on the roster, and as long as he's still the icon, and as long as the mayors love him, you're not tearing it down around him. Mm -hmm. So that. We sucked for a long time, but we didn't start really, truly both feet in the water rebuilding yep. until Daniel Jones took over. Correct. And that's yeah. absolutely correct. And people fail to realize that. And you see it across the league, too. Is And one of my biggest things is I hate to see, you know, uh, this uh, big group of generational quarterbacks that we all uh, watched growing up and uh, they're like going out on like bad terms. Like there's a time to just take the knee, dude. Like like Big Ben, and you see the way it affects the entire franchise too. Like the Steelers will like struggle because of 
of re-signing Big Ben. Like, his extending his contract is a, a huge mistake. Um, and, but you see that, and the same thing happened. But I think, like, when Daniel Jones, when they the second that he stepped foot uh, in New York, in New Jersey, if, <laughs> if we want to be technical, uh, is when the actual rebuild started. And, you know, fans just get, you know, everyone's so antsy. Like, they want... A pre- like they want to win right now uh winning i think it's also you know twitter is part of it too like people the entire league acts like the new york giants did not win six games and of the games that they lost didn't lose them by like maximum three or four points like except for a few games um so i think the league just kind of has like uh i mean the new york giants as a whole have a target on their back you brought up the free agency and you're really stoked about it. And, um, you know, you, you said that like people want to come play for Joe judge. People want to come mm-hmm. play for New York. And that's a really interesting point because I was talking to Dan. Oh shit. I'm going to say his name wrong. Dan Schneier from yeah, CBS. Yeah. yeah. He's so cool. Yeah. I love yeah. him. Yeah. No, he's, he's very smart. He's been one of my followers from a long time. I have, I have a lot of respect for him. And one of the things that he said was mm-hmm. before Galladay signed, Miami was like a good landing spot for Galladay as well. And he was saying, you know, I I think we're going to lose out if it becomes a bidding war between us and Miami because of the income tax situation. And, you know, I was kind of talking about like, you know, New York, New York, you get more than just your contract. When you're a New York star, you get the bigger endorsement deals. I mean, Odell Beckham in New York Mm -hmm. was a larger than life guy in Cleveland relatively unheard of nationally you know mm-hmm. what i mean not unheard of but he was not the mega star that he was when he was here mm-hmm. um, and you know that factors in but the fact that literal money was turned down to come to new york i mean mm-hmm. tax it's no no small amount of tax dollars was turned well, down to come it, here is pretty it's, awesome. not even, it's, it's not even tax dollars it's you know it's a hard place to play in the winter. You know, when you get into November, mm-hmm. December, you have swirling winds there. So, you know, receivers and quarterbacks, their numbers aren't going to be as, as nice as they're going to be if you're playing in South Florida, where it's still going to be 72 degrees and sunny on week 17. Better, you know, conditions to play. And, yeah, of course, the, the tax money. And, you know, I'll ask you, Steph, like right now, whose future looks brighter, Miami or the Giants? Just rocks through construction now. Salary cap implications going forward. What, what team do you think is a brighter future? It, listen, I mean this with the least Homer in me. If you could suck all the Homer out of me and like me just speak <laughs> to you very straightforwardly, I think it's the New York Giants. I think they're very. I understand like the Miami. What Miami has been able to do with their rebuild is beautiful, and I applaud them. But you know, I'm not totally bought into the two a thing. Uh, I think Fuller was a weird move considering the quarterback you have and what he showed last year down the field. I just don't know what what the thought process there. I have to see, but then again, you know, that you look at their draft capital and they do have a lot of room uh, to continue to build. But I, you know, I think it's the New York Giants. I think everyone is being really low on us. And it's crazy because I'm starting to just keep my mouth shut too, you know, being in football fantasy and the Giants Twitter world. I, I've started to just observe from the distance at this point because uh, everyone is just expecting failure because, you know, they uh, are clinging on to this. Daniel Jones had this many uh, turnovers in X amount of games and they're not they don't look at it in the big picture that it is. So I am I, I will confidently say I do. So what are we talking about? Like, will Miami have more wins than us next year? Probably. Uh, no, I, bet, but, I bet like just. Long-term, like the next oh, the yeah. outlook for the next three years or so. Like what okay. future just looks brighter? Yeah, I think that the New York Giants, I think that, you know, again, this is like something that people don't realize is uh, Joe Judge going out and saying, Daniel Jones is our quarterback when Kim Jones tries to be a jerk like she is all the time and, and to get the crap out of everyone. Uh, him saying that confidently, them never taking Daniel Jones and benching him for a backup, uh, that right there uh, is speaks volumes to me. Um, the way that they didn't have confidence in Tua and like benched him and Fitz came in and saved the day and the security blanket and, you know... The, they do have better draft capital than we do. Uh, so that's probably their advantage. But I think long-term looking at it, I mean, you can't beat Joe Judge. 
Look at the guy. He's a damn stud. He makes people run laps at practice. Are you kidding? It's so cool. <laughs> See, I think Tua is going to be a stud. I, I really mm-hmm. do. I, 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 I watched him a lot at Bama. I know what he can do. He had a major, major injury, and I don't even think he was 100% last year. I mean, he may not have been on the injury report, but that takes a long time to recover from, and the guy can do it all. And, again, he's, what, 22? Is he 22? He's 23. He's 23. He's 23. I mean, that's a baby in, in, in NFL years. And mm-hmm. I think people have already given up on the guy where, you know, this is not a case like um, – uh, Arizona had a couple of years ago where they gave up on their quarterback, and, you know, to draft to get the number one pick or something. He's going to be a stud. Um, mm-hmm. The Giants, you know, they're definitely obviously, you know, we we are Gettleman. We're not a Gettleman apologist, but we are Gettleman patientists, I guess. We have mm-hmm. patience with what he's doing because we understand mm-hmm. how long this rebuild had to take. You had to completely tear down a roster. It was awful for the cap. Had you know lacking in draft picks, draft picks that we had, it just sucked and just never produced and it couldn't resign any of the guys because they weren't worth it. And it takes a while to rebuild. Um, you know, this free agent class, which we, we all think is going to help for short and maybe intermediate term, but there's going to be some cap issues coming down the road because a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff is backloaded. That's going to be a problem. Um, I think both teams are going to be, you know, in the next if not in 2021, I think 2022, 2023, 2024 are going to be significant contenders in their divisions and in their conferences for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I would slightly say right now Miami over the Giants because the quarterback is so important. And I just think that the upside of Tua is bigger than the upside of Daniel Jones. And that doesn't mean I don't think Daniel Jones is going to suck. I just think that Tua has potential to be really, really good. And I have patience with him. I can, I can split the difference here because I, I agree with you that I think – down the line over the next couple of years, both are going to be contenders for their division. I think this year the Giants have an advantage. I think they've, you know, Miami has the draft capital this year, but draft capital is just capital. It's it's only mm-hmm. what you are able to do with it that becomes something. The Giants went out and they did their spending. Um, you know, they have instant impact guys. They're not rookies. You know, they're, they're not unproven. I mean, we know what they can do in the league. Uh, so I think that this year the Giants might have a head start. It might start to even out over the next couple of years as things even out, you know, as, and as also, contracts expire, re- et cetera. And you can't rely on draft picks in year one. If you're counting on these draft picks to be major contributors and really changing, you know, the, your expectations for a team, that gets a little unrealistic too. I mean, you draft in 2021 for those guys to really contribute in 2022, 2023, and the future. Yeah, so I think just it's more like the roster itself. Like, you just have to – they need to find a way to highlight what Tua is fantastic at. Um, and I might be a little bit lower on him than most people, but I think I just need to see more. One thing that I hate that's happening in the league, you know, is this, this like, cancel young quarterback culture. Like, a lot of these guys are not, first of all, healthy, are not in the – they don't have the weapons that they need. They don't have the coach they need. They don't have the O-line they need. And you're ready to get rid of them because you, uh, they pissed you off in fantasy. Like, that's not how it works, dude. Like, you're not – like, I get it, Chad. Calm down, okay? Um, but, like, just because you lost a week because of uh, the, the, the young quarterback who just got into the league doesn't mean he's going to blow. Look at Josh Allen. Like, look at the way that he was able to elevate his game. Like, sometimes it doesn't click right away. To expect someone to go from the NCAA to the NFL and just transition immediately flawlessly, yes. Are there quarterbacks that can do that? For sure. But do you need to be a great quarterback to always win a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. People forget. One of Eli Manning's worst years. Like, literally worst years he won a Super Bowl. Um, like, that's not how it works. So you need to build a very good surrounding cast. So that's why I would elevate New York Giants over Miami in the future, though. Like, I think that Miami is still there. Uh, they were able to rebuild much faster than us. And I, I applaud them for that. Uh, and it's actually admirable. I think the league is I, saying, I think the league's going to look so much different this year than last year because we have a real offseason again. And I think that people no matter how much they want to discount it, it is a fact and a thing that not having OTAs, not having 
you know, the regular interaction between coaches and players, not having the normal strength and conditioning programs impacted all of these teams, especially rookies. You know, we, we, these guys that come into the league, like you said, that, that transition from, from college to the NFL is a huge jump. And a lot of these guys are basically just thrown into the fire. You so they're killing our offensive linemen, guys like Andrew Thomas and Pert and stuff. It's like, these guys are rookies and they're not real rookies. They are basically still in college when they get there. Mm-hmm. So I think this off season, you're going to see, you know, the rookies from last year and even the rookies this year, finally going through what a real off season is a real program, real coaching. It's, and also the giants had a whole new coaching staff and, and everything was thrown at this team. I'm shocked. They played as well as they did. You know, I yeah. care much about the records that seeing this team getting better. You're going to see, Wholesale improvements on every factor of this team next September based on what's going on now until September. Right. It's also kind of a no excuses year. Like there's a lot of guys on this roster. Like this is like you guys need to perform or they need to figure something out. So like everyone knows. Yes. Am I all uh, bought in on Daniel Jones? I am. But like this year, if he does the dumb shit he did at the beginning of last season, Oh, look at me saying shit. Um, then he's done. Like, then we have to figure something else out. Like, you know, so like he has no excuses. I I think that O-line is going to be our Achilles heel. And I think that that's something that uh, worries me a lot moving into next uh, season. But then again, you know, Solder's coming back. I, last season, like, do we really, I don't even know if we should count it, which is cool because then we could say Brady didn't win the Super Bowl, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so- well, there's a bunch of people we love to say the season didn't count for, sure. <laughs> I want to I jump in because you're, you're saying this is kind of um, a little bit of a no excuses year because we have you know people returning, whatever. This is something that I think you can contribute more than almost every single person on Twitter that is football Twitter, and that is some level of medical background. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest thing that people seem to forget about last season and all the things that the Giants did because of all these moving parts, because of Andrew Thomas's mm-hmm. development, because the O-line coach got fired, because Joe Judge was new, you know, everything was new. Um, one thing that for, for no fucking reason that makes any sense, it doesn't get brought up enough that Saquon Barkley did not really even play last year. But mm-hmm. that's a really serious injury. And I think as sports fans, we've become a little bit spoiled and I've said this before because I remember not that long ago what was it like 09 maybe 2010 when Adrian Peterson tore his ACL it was like week 16 or something week 15 it was really late in the season and it was like a marvel that he played the next season people were (laughs) stunned what do you think is like the prognosis for what we what a reasonable person can expect from Saquon Barkley next year what do you uh, uh, have a burner that uh, subscribes to my Patreon? Um, all my Patreon subscribers know how I feel about this. I'm very passionate about this Saquon injury. Uh, Adrian Peterson is actually essentially like the highlight of that entire article that I'm referencing on my Patreon. Um, Saquon Barkley could not be set up for more success uh, coming off of an ACL injury. So here's the thing with ACL injuries. There's a few things that you look at. One, the coolest thing about it, as cool as it can be for us that we're heartbroken in week two is, you know, he, his MCL actually healed itself entirely before he had the procedure. So that's why they took those six weeks prior to have that MCL, like it, it, like it literally healed itself. It didn't need to get touched in surgery. That's a not unheard of, but it's very uncommon. Um, the decreased swelling, you know, uh, you joke around, we saw him on the bike, you know, and the whole Danny and him not wearing masks thing happened, but he had already been doing a lot of prehab. Prehab is a newer thing. Um, you have to remember, you know, since Adrian Peterson, uh, the medical advances are crazy. It's very different. I mean, Adrian Peterson came back after that surgery the next season in 2012, and he hit all these career highs. I mean, the accolades that he was decorated with, he should be inducted into Hall of Fame right now because of the 2012. And then he went on the next season to do a very similar act. Um, and he actually ended up needing his uh, meniscus uh, done as well. Uh, they didn't have to do a meniscectomy on Saquon, which is a very common thing. And that's where you see a lot of the issues come into. 
Saquon could have not, like, he couldn't possibly have healed better. Um, literally, on paper, as long as what they're saying is truthful, there is no reason in my mind that this dude will not have a career high year. Like, it doesn't, it's, it's just like, he's been on track and he's not an injury prone person, you know. Having a high ankle sprain uh, in the season prior, he missed X amount of games, came back in record speed because he has that mentality. He's committed to his rehab. And you're going to see the same thing with him with his ACL. Like, have you guys seen the videos? What he's doing right now, he's playing week one, period. Uh, will he be Saquon entirely? No, because they're probably going to baby him. for. A, they'll probably nurse it a little bit. But by week three, week four, there's no reason that Saquon isn't just destroying everyone. I, I defer completely to you because uh, the closest thing I have to understanding medicine is I watched a lot of House when I was a kid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but really, if you want to compare his injury and his rehab and what's going on in the time frame, um, and I'll send both you guys uh, the that one article that I did write because I'm sure I'm missing a few points of it with all my white claws, but... Uh, he, if you want to compare it to anything, I compare it to Adrian Peterson. And there's actual like studies on players that have, you know, a good head coach. There's five metrics. I forget what they are. It's like good head coach, a certain amount of athleticism, um, and like whatever else the other things are that put them in a better advantage. Like Saquon could not have all. He has every means of success. And then you know you bring in someone like Booker, you bring in a wide receiver one, you bring him the re- like that supporting cast that eliminates this use and abuse giants that we've been for years. You wonder why players get hurt. They get hurt because you're just trying to force them to be the main target. Like Saquon can still be the main target, but you can't force him the ball every single play. Um, he's going to get hurt. That's how players get hurt because the body isn't meant to deal with that much. Um, so I think that they're doing everything they can to improve his longevity on this team. And I, I, I am very confident in Saquon this season. I, it doesn't, you know, I'm not worried about him. Another people, another thing that people forget too. I think the number is, uh, what is it? I think it's 15, 12. I don't know what it is, but uh, Danny and Saquon haven't started that many games together, but when they've started together, they're so productive. So to have that back is so beautiful. It's interesting. You you said that you know he has every advantage or something to, for success, mm-hmm. but we also have to worry about that offensive line. Yeah, you know that you know that that offensive line is so critical this year because you know if this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones, you know he needs to have the, the time to throw. If Saquon Barkley, you know, is going to be Saquon Barkley, he can't be running into brick walls all the time. Mm-hmm. We need you know they have to. They have to be able to run block and also pass block to set up the run also because this offense, you know, not only did they lose him in week two, they prepared for him to be there all year also. I mean, the Jason Garrett offense ideally is centered around Saquon Barkley. And when he was gone, all the preparation, the limited preparation that this team had in the offseason right. had, had to be adjusted on the fly in suboptimal conditions as it is. So that offensive line holds the key to everything. And, you know, it's not only the success of this team, but that potentially the health of this team as well. Yeah. It's scaring the crap out of me. <laughs> completely honest. Uh, like, but I think, you know, in off season, like you said, a lot of people forget, like this was not a normal season, right? Like the, you need to let these guys, I mean, these were rookies. You have a really young team. I mean, the, the Giants were the youngest team in the NFL at some point. And, like, you've got to, like, just give them a chance. You can't expect Andrew Thomas, like, as much as I did. You know, I've been hard on him, but he played on a bro- – he had a broken bone. Like, the, this team needs to get to know each other a little bit more. You they, <laughs> Like, you see, like, the way that the guys in 2007, 2011, like, these seasons that we love and we hold so near and dear to our heart, like, it's just a different type of chemistry. Uh, no one knew each other. It's crazy. So, and it'll be nice, you know, Solder, as much as I think, you know, I'm not super thrilled that he's coming back. I think whatever about his contract, but like, it'll be nice to get an older guy in there. We don't have vets on this, like true veterans on this team. And that's important, you know? So, I mean, the O-line is the thing that scares the crap out of me about the season. And then it's followed by Jason Garrett. So those two things could destroy I'm, us the entire season. I'm ex- uh, you mentioned Gary, I'm going to get back to him in a second. You mentioned him in the very beginning of one of the things mm-hmm. that pissed you off, and we, we got sidetracked. But I'm expecting 
significant improvement from the, the two rookies from last year on offensive line. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about this line. I think the core is there to be pretty good. There are parts that are going to be needed, obviously, on the right side. And Nate Solder is he's house money at this point. He's not being relied on to be your left tackle anymore. He's not the overpaid left tackle. Right. He's sunk costs that we're actually able to bring back for nothing, if you think about it. So mm-hmm. he provides also, he provides he, depth. He restructured his he contract. I, I think he's he's an expendable cut, I think, now also. If they feel – That's what I, I mean. I can't remember the, the, the money off the top of my head and I'm too lazy to look it up. But um, I think at this point if he comes into camp and he's, you know, just mm-hmm. – because whatever. He had a whole year off. He admitted that he wasn't in playing shape last year or whatever. Um, if he comes in and he's a total dud, they, they can expend him and not really be on the hook for too much right. money anymore. If I you're right. You, you're absolutely it'd right. The same, it'd have been the same cost. It would have been the same cost if they would have cut him four months ago. So No, I think it's actually less. Why not take a flyer? Oh, okay. Even better. Yeah. Um, it's good. I mean, him coming back is good. No matter what is our biggest thing is the old line is just, I, it scares me. It makes me nervous, but I'm optimistic at the same time. I think like two of the biggest things were obviously, you know, thank God Columbo is gone. Uh, and then also Andrew Thomas had like had to have surgery. So like he obviously was playing on a serious injury and the fact that he was able to perform, like I feel bad for being as hard on him as I was. Well, down the stretch, um, he was actually really good. It, it, he just had a, a right. rocky start and the whole right. team had a rocky everything. So, and as a rookie, right again, this is the same thing. It's like, you look at this roster and how young they are. These guys have never played in the NFL. And then they're like looking at the next guy like, Oh, you just got here too. Like they don't know what's going on. Like, no one knows what's up. It's like, what is he talking to Matt Pert from UConn who never played high school sports? Like, like <laughs> give me a break, you know? So I think they're I'm... in a good place. It can only, I don't know why everyone's so low on them. Like the betting lines for, uh, for the NFC East and like how low people, like the confidence in us is crazy. Like people seriously, genuinely believe that the New York Giants will be worse than last year. And yeah. that blows well, my mind. Remember, remember what betting lines, betting lines are popularity driven by narratives and you know the cowboys the cowboys are always going to suck up all the oxygen in the room always because they're the cowboys so they're 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 just like the yankees they're just like the lakers they're just like man united they're just like any really popular national team they're going to be overhyped and overinflated for what they really are washington is a lot of people's hip picks because of the really great defense but Who's their quarterback? And come on, give me a break. Philly has got more issues than we, we, we could be here for 12 hours talking about all the problems Philly has coming up this next year. I was waiting so, to hear your, your attempt at a defense for Philly being a, high, a better betting on than the Giants. Yeah, that's where, that's where so you there, guys get There's no – well, they're, like they're Philly. You know, like how are you telling me the Eagles have a better like chance, better odds to win – over the New York Giants. That is so mixed up. It's crazy. Right. But to your point about ESPN hating the Giants, the narratives are always going to be just watch, you know, let's just have a random sports center thing in the middle of February. It'll just be about, Oh, the Eagles are doing this. It's like, it's, they didn't make any news. We're in a dead period. Why are you talking about them? Look at all the, these stories that they have. What are positive stories for Dallas, Philly and Washington compared to how many they don't have about the Giants, where it's something about Daniel Jones tripping over himself, running 80 yards, or, you know, a, a Gettleman hit piece, or, or, or anything. It, it's So when people are betting, they just, you know, they're... Most people don't listen to good podcasts, and they don't do research, and they don't, you know, follow you, you know, pay for your Patreon. They just watch stupid ESPN and just whatever they say, and and read their local papers and things, and don't worry about what preseason uh, odds are because they're all a bunch of nonsense. Steffi, since it is draft week, I do want to talk a little bit about the draft. Do you have a Giants <laughs> draft crush coming into it? Mm. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I was really, you know, I love Andrew Thomas, and Andrew Thomas is going to be a generational uh, a tackle, and we're very fortunate to have him on the team, especially having uh, gotten per in the third round like that. But I will not lie to anyone ever that I was not very upset last year. Uh, I wanted worse. I, I will not lie about it. Um, 
it was very disappointing. So what I'm doing this year is I'm trying not to get like too, uh, I'm not trying to fall too much in love with um, any of these like first, second round guys. And I'm falling in love with more like the third, fourth, fifth rounds, like guys. Um, So I think what they'll do is it seems like they're leaning wide receiver at this point. Um, I think that it's going to depend a lot on what pick three, what happens at pick three and four. Uh, We'll see a huge shift in the draft at that point, and that'll probably start to change the narrative. Now that the media has called out Gettleman, you know, about his uh, not trading back thing, which that interview couldn't have been funnier. Like, Gettleman has never made me laugh as hard as that one where he's like... He's a great sound clip, I gotta say. He's so funny. I'm sorry. He pulls off... Like, if we win nine games and, like, this dude pulls us off, it will be an epic comeback. Because, <laughs> like, he's funny as hell. I'm not going to lie. Like, I wish he was my grandpa, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, like, he's so funny. But really, like, if he pulls us off, it's awesome. Uh, so I I think that now that the media has addressed the fact that uh, the Giants, you know, are not going to trade back and we're all – but think, look at the free agency. It's not really moving in the direction that any of us could have expected. Like you thought it was going to stop. And then there was another addition and it wasn't an addition that didn't make zero sense. Uh, it always made a little bit of sense, which is awesome. Um, but I think that the pattern can maybe continue because of the draft position we have. It really does depend on uh, when these quarterbacks go, because let's say, you know, one of these top five guys ends up, uh, starting to fall if you think someone's not going to aggressively try to trade up and offer a king's ransom it could very much happen and then you know you look at micah parsons it seems like there is a lot of tension around that i don't love the idea of taking a cornerback if we do it though whatever that's like my least favorite option to be honest uh but i think going uh it really depends who falls so you know slater obviously someone that i'm a huge fan of and uh, but I think it's looking more wide receiver, which, I again, I don't hate because you're getting a guy that at this point take best player available um, and and just go for it. Right, is, is this the point where we have the Devonte Smith BMI conversation? Sure, we can have it. I mean, is there any reason at all to be concerned with him being six foot one sixty six? Because I, I, for me, I watch him at Alabama play around that weight and I don't care mm-hmm. whatsoever. So, I, I no. mean. And this is why everyone doesn't realize, like, it's like, oh, yeah, this player's coming into the league. Oh, this is a new voice I'm using, but I love it. So this is what I'm thinking when I read your tweets. It's like, oh, yeah, this person's, like, coming into the league. And, like, no, it doesn't matter because Devontae Smith is not a normal person coming into the league. Like, this is not your average NFL player. This is Devontae Smith. He is in a whole nother uh, little realm of players that don't touch the other lower realm of players. Like this dude has one of the highest football IQs I've ever seen. His film is so beautiful. He's so intuitive. Like he, the way that he can run routes and like, he just gets it and he can get out of the way. He sees a, he sees uh, defenders coming way before it even happens. I've never seen anything like it. So I don't think he counts in the BMI uh, conversation. You know, his closest comp for BMI is Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley came in, his combat combine weight, uh, I think the BMI was off by like 1.3, 1.2. Um, but then Calvin Ridley was able to put on weight. You want to know why he put on weight? Is because he joined the NFL. Uh, and then like he's someone that's getting paid a lot of money uh, made sure he gained the weight. Uh, Devontae Smith can gain weight. If you guys really, if it's really the concern uh, <laughs> is that he needs to gain weight, then the, I promise you he's going to gain weight. But that football IQ is not something you come around. You have to catch someone. Uh, he, he's so, it just, his, if people haven't watched Devontae Smith play, it's beautiful. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Oh, I saw him. I was at the SEC championship game last year in Atlanta no, and I got to see Smith. I saw Smith, I saw, you know, Kyle Pitts, all these guys. And it was just watching, you're so watching awesome. elite talent in that, in that game. And wow. yeah, and you, you could watch all the tape when you see it in person in our seats, we were right in the corner of the one end zone where so Pitts funny. had the one touchdown and everything. And you just see these guys and they're going up against guys that are, you know, could be NFL cornerbacks, you know, the Gators, the under G last year, but they're not DBU for nothing. They have guys who could be in the NFL. Marco Wilson might end up in the NFL, you know, and 
they're just men among boys running these routes and the hands they have, no, never mind running the routes. They just catch everything. And that's why a guy like Mac Jones, that's why a guy like Kyle Trask are going to have NFL careers because these guys they're throwing to make them look good just as much as they make them look good. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's like there's a different level of guys. Like there's some guys you look at and uh, maybe a BMI problem can be like something that you bring into question. But it's like for him, it's just not. It's the same as bringing up the fact that Kyle Pitts isn't a great blocker. I don't care. Teach him how to block. Making Devontae Smith gain weight. Like, I don't care. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And and also, I, I, there's certain guys where you can tell where weight is going to be an issue. And you can usually mm-hmm. see it in college in the physicality level, right? Like, you see guys just get bowled over by college talent. They're not going to get any better at that in the NFL. So I see guys like... Louisville wide receiver Tutu Atwell being 5'8 and 150. I haven't been 150 pounds since I was in middle school. God. Um, <laughs> My stomach wasn't 150 ever. I, I, I haven't been 5'8 since middle school. So uh, that's somebody I would have some concern with that, especially because you did see him get bullied around. Right. And one of my biggest awesome. things, too, that people like don't talk about enough is like, <clears throat> excuse me, is like a body control. That is something to look out for and to, like, someone that's able to have body control and to be able to make plays still when they have dudes, like, knocking them off balance and to be able to have the balance and still catch the ball with one hand, like, now I'm intrigued. Like, let, like let's have a conversation about that. And, and someone that has phenomenal body control is Devontae Smith. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. But you, you said that you were trying to stray away from like the early round guys because you don't want to be disappointed or something like that. Um, <laughs> but you were you were looking more into like the later round guys. Is there anybody that sticks out that you, you absolutely love to watch that you secretly hope is, is a giant next year? Yes, I have a few that I love. Um, so in the late rounds, you could talk about Mr. Jalen Darden. He is a wide receiver, uh, Is doesn't get enough credit. He is smaller. Uh, this is where BMI and, and uh, you know, uh, player placement uh, would be maybe a little bit of a concern. But one of my favorite comparisons that Jake Seeley that I had on my show uh, a couple weeks ago uh, compared him to is he's like a fly in the house. Like, you have to be able to get him. He's the shiftiest player that is in this wide receiver class. I've never seen anything like it. Awesome. Uh, and then another one, Monty Rice, linebacker. So... So awesome. Like, seriously, I think he's maybe one of my favorite players in this draft. Um, and then another one would be, uh, which would be a late round. Hope it. He is starting to pick up a little steam where I think people are catching on to him, unfortunately. Uh, and they're talking about him being uh, taken in the third round. But it's Trey McKitty, uh, tight end. Super Super awesome. I mean, he's slower, which is why people don't really like him, but he protects the crap out of the ball, which is not something we know very well. Hmm. Um, so I would love, <laughs> I would love, you know, he didn't have, he had a very slow start to his, his college career, but then his senior bowl performance, if not, that's how I, I even like caught word of him. And then I started watching his film and like the dude's good. Like once he, he, the way that he protects the ball, he's just a bigger body dude. I like my tight ends, bigger bodied. Uh, he can block. He's just a good. He's a phenomenal tight end that needs to get the opportunity to prove that uh, he has that raw talent. Because maybe on paper it doesn't look like he's as good, but I think he'll be in one of those scenarios where you know a tight end will go down and he'll be like, "All right, McKitty, like it's your tr- time to come in," and then he'll end up being a stud for years to come. He's very, very good. All right, Steffi, you're on the clock. You are Steph Gettleman. You have the yep. 11th pick in the draft. Right. Who you take? Who you taking? Dave is your grandpa. Who is available? <laughs> yeah. Who is available? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone's available. Okay. Uh... Reasonable. I mean, don't say Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? But like someone who would be reasonably expected to be around the 11th pick. All things considered equal. Who are you taking? You know what? I'm probably taking Devontae Smith. It's a toss-up between him and... Uh, addressing tackle. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with the tackles, who who falls, who doesn't fall. Um, but, you know, Devontae Smith might not be there. It, I think that we might see, honestly, a trade, if we, a trade back, if all of these dudes are not there. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if both are not available and then maybe someone 
really wants to get into the conversation at that point because we had, do have a good draft position. But right now it's going to be Devontae Smith because I think people will fade him because of his uh, BMI. But it also could be Waddle. You know, people are very high on Waddle, and I, I understand completely why. Yeah, I, I think I'm a little bit higher on Waddle too, but that, mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly reasonable for it to be Devontae Smith. I'm, this is the first year we've had in, in a while. We've always been picking in the friggin' top five that it wasn't so much of an issue guessing – you know who right. who was going to be there and all that other stuff. We could really, you know, and there's all this quarterback nonsense going on. And I think you know, even like the Bengals, right? Are the Bengals going to take Chase or are they going to take a Penny? Oh so my like- God! I got into that argument with a Bengals fan, and I was just trying to be nice, and it became a whole thing. And you know, he was telling me. Penny Swole's the only one who can protect him. You can get a tackle in the second round. I'm like, dude, this is the deepest wide receiver class I've seen in a long time. I know Jamar Chase is good, but Whatever you want to do. If you want, on, if you want Sewell to fall, I'm happy to take him. Right, right, exactly. You don't pass on generational tackle talent, period. Like, that is how you lose the draft. Um, like, you, you take the guy, if that guy is there and you have someone, you have a quarterback who easily could slip in, like, it wouldn't be shocking if he slipped into the top five that you could protect that's coming off of an injury and you just decide to take another wide receiver is mind-blowing to me. But you know what? Fine. Do your thing. Uh, it's not for me. I'm out on that one. Um, but like, please let the tackles fall. Like, cause I'm down. Like if Penny falls, cool. That's all good to me. Uh, but we're going to see a lot of movement. You know, the Bengals, the Falcons, you look at all these, these teams that they're going to shake things up in the draft. And, uh, I think even, you know, even San Francisco, like every single movement in these couple, this is one of the most exciting drafts. Like I, can think of in some time i think we're gonna i think we're gonna trade down even if it's like a couple I of spots I, think we are. I feel it too and then we're gonna take defense if that happens i swear oh wow, my god this is, this is a very interesting i did not expect two of you to think we're gonna trade down that's that's pretty interesting i don't think it's gonna I, happen because i don't want to like get my heart but i don't see why we would like we're just in a good position and i honestly think you know, this wide receiver class, there's so much depth to it. That's not a joke. And Joe Judge is actually someone, I don't know if you guys saw this interview or this comment, but this was before the season ended last year. And he said there's going to be at least 20 wide receivers in the rookie draft that can be wide receiver ones. I believe and it, to yeah. me, that's why I feel like we might just pass on the wide receiver because I think that, you know, I, I think something that the Giants have done really well with is, you know, look at them. They, they're pretty good at... Uh, finding those uh, diamonds in the rough, right? Like you look at the what they've done and what they uh, produce even out of last year and the, the undrafted free agents and whatever. But like, I, I think that there's a, I don't know. I'm stressed out because it's not going the way I thought it was going to go even in free agency. So I'm like, okay, maybe we will take Parsons. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's <laughs> happening. The thing is, I, I my gut feeling is that it's going to be Parsons, but uh, I the only reason I have that is I, I don't think Joe Judge is going to be somebody who's going to tolerate some level of character issues, and, and it, the allegations against him are pretty gross. But so I haven't I seen them. I'll admit. Oh, I, I, we can discuss them a little bit, but the, you can actually Google it because he's named in a lawsuit by a former PSU player who claims the hazing went above and beyond. They got into like a, a choking fight. Um, there's allegations that James Franklin told him not to tell on Micah Parsons because he didn't want, you know, whatever. It, mm-hmm, it's, right. it's, it's above and beyond hazing. I've seen hazing. I've been around hazing. It was this. Yeah, was... but but that that also seems that's a little different than character issues, like real character issues, like crimes being committed. This seems like something that just kind of got out of control, as opposed to I agree premeditated crime, a pattern of continuously doing things that are bad. I agree. This seems, also, so I, I don't think hazing is a very NFL thing. I think there's a little bit of rookie thing with shaved heads and ice baths and, <laughs> and silly things like that. But when you're sing, in the NFL, sing you're your making song. money. Listen, I was in Greek life. You don't have to talk twice to me yeah. about it. Uh, I went to U of A, and now, you know, how many frats have they kicked off since then? But my one thing on the character stuff is I think there's a few coaches that can handle that type of thing, and there's a few teams that could be – like. I have confidence in Judge, and if they decide that that's the route that they want to go, I do think that Judge can handle it. 
I agree, and I think they're also positioned well with uh, the staffing that they have to have the insider knowledge of what's true from that lawsuit, what isn't, what's exaggerated, what kind of person he is. You know, I, I think that if they pull the trigger on him, it's because they know enough. Um, so I think there's a chance. But and also, I, I don't know. If it's not this, him, I'm a little confused on where it could go. This organization also has this antenna up for things like that. We've been burned a couple times in the last five, six years with, you know, domestic violence incidents, DUIs, you know, um, robbery. What was thing we were just talking about? Yeah. Matt robbery. So like three DUI, like two, I think, but like still he has like two DUIs and no one talks about who Mac Jones. Oh, believe me. Oh. If you want to talk about Alabama and all the things that goes on down there with, they don't re- talk <laughs> about or don't report it. it we, we could be on this show until 2028. I mean, it is just the wild Maybe west. And they just let that's the case. Yeah, they just, you know, they run amok down there, do whatever they want. So, um, yeah, I, 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 this, they know they don't want to be labeled as a franchise that becomes like Cincinnati or the Portland Trailblazers, where they get this reputation. And there's been a couple of black marks already. And if push comes to shove. Joe Judge might be able to handle it, but I don't know if Mara will handle it. Oh, wow. This is a lot worse than I could have imagined. <laughs> yeah. Like, the other thing, yeah, too, is that the, the media... The, I, I don't I, I don't, want, I'm, I don't know. I was going to pick a name, but the New York sports media, the, mm-hmm. you know, the beat writers that we see, because there's a million of them for the Giants and Jets, they will talk up Micah Parsons about how great of an athlete he is and how smart of a pick it was and the moment that there's an off-color story that involves him they will flip the script they'll run that story they'll run Gettleman out of town for making the pick they'll Mm -hmm. run Joe Judge out of town for not being able to control him I mean Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily on Mara that that he can't tolerate it it's it really is a whirlwind Mm -hmm. yeah Believe me, it's like an obituary where it's already been written. You're just waiting for the body to be yeah. cold we're before they hit send and post. <laughs> After reading those, that, we're not drafting him. There's no way. Yeah, I I don't think they are. No, I, again, I, I don't, if it was it was purely a judge decision. Well, this is actually an interesting little test because you know we've That's always it. heard, oh, Joe Judge has a lot of influence in the room. You know, mm-hmm. this will be an interesting little test to see if they draft him. That is a good barometer of saying that he really does have some power in that room. If they don't, that doesn't mean he doesn't, but I think that just validates my concern about they just don't want to get their hands dirty with something. Again, it's not like we're drafting OJ here. I mean, this is in the scheme of things is relatively minor, but right. And how many dumb, dumb things, you know, between the three of us, we, like how many dumb things do you think we have done at like the age that he did this, right? Like the, it, there's still kids at this point too. I, well, I, I, not, I did none, so yeah. I was perfect. Yeah. All right, well I was not. Yeah, we, we, we don't don't listen to him. We, <laughs> we we on we were talking to Bobby and we we all agreed that we'd have character concerns coming out of college. I, I almost didn't graduate high school, so because I I got kicked out for a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Oh again, really? That's well, that's a. You didn't know that? <laughs> that's a bonus episode. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. My my mother had Lock to way. go to the school. Yeah, my mother had to go to the school and the principal and uh, negotiate my return because I showed up for school. I it happened over Christmas break and I showed up the day after New Year's or whenever, and they're like, "What are you doing here?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" They're like, "You you can't be here." And I was like, "Are you serious?" I had to call my dad and have him pick me up because I took the bus. So yeah. I, I got kicked out of school junior year. Um, that's neither here nor there. Baller. <laughs> um, For our Patreon show, we can hear the inside yeah, story. The inside story of – it's actually not that interesting. Um, it's actually a Seinfeld episode. It's a Seinfeld episode. I, I can tell it really briefly is the – I don't know I don't know how high school is around the world, but at, at every school I've ever been to, <laughs> right before Christmas break, you do nothing in class, right? Every class, they're just like, we're playing a movie. They don't care. People bring in food, whatever. I was not a very good kid in high school. I didn't have the best grades that year. I was also very sick. Um, And somebody brought in bagels. I ate a poppy seed bagel. I was drug tested later that day. The whole time I was in the nurse's office, I was being a jerk and telling them they were wasting their time. And um, they called my house over Christmas break and informed my parents that my drug test was not clean and they didn't give them any further information 
after I got kicked out, they told my mother that I was uh, on heroin because I ate a poppy seed bagel. Comes up for opium and all this other stuff. And as it turns out, I did not test positive. I just didn't test zero. It was a very, very, very minute trace. And my mother had to get the actual lab records from them in order wow. to get me to come back. That is the story of how I got kicked out of high school. Um, and then I went back and they tried to harass me every moment they could. But nevertheless, this was super fun. And I really hope that we can have you back throughout the season whenever there's anything. Please, to- I'm begging you anytime. Yes. I like I like am about to have to start a Giants podcast of my own because I miss talking to the New York Giants. No, well, yeah. yeah. Whenever you want to jump on, I mean, we we do it. We do this show weekly during the off season, twice a week when the season starts. You know, the the recap show and the preview show. And whenever you want to jump on, we'd we'd love to have you. Yeah, we'd love to have your breakdowns, your insight and medical stuff. Is honestly, I, I don't want to like pigeonhole you into that, but that's something I don't see anybody else with any true background in that, where they know what they're talking about, except for there's that doctor I can't remember his name, but he he jumps in on sports takes. Yeah, it's something I I find I'm definitely I'm trying to find a new outlet for my because I won't have my rehab report anymore since I left my that one website that I used to co-own. But (laughs) so I'm looking for defining like a new home for my injury stuff. I'm trying to think about how I'm going to do it for the season. Uh, But I definitely will be back on with you guys. Yes, and we look forward to that. But in the meantime, you guys can find her on Twitter at Steffi Smalls with three L's. The three L's stands for Tom Brady's losses, which is the coolest fact I learned. <laughs> You're damn week. right. That's awesome. Um, so thanks for having. Thank, thank, thanks for joining. That was this was awesome. I had a great time. So awesome. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you. All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Go, Go Giants. Giants.